Welcome to the CB on Air Partners in Focus series. My name is Yasha Popovic and I'm Associate Editor at Central Banking. Today we're going to talk about the interaction between monetary policy and reserve management with a focus on the Fed and the impact elsewhere. I am very pleased to be joined by Diana Dengo, Investment Director at Wellington Management. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Joshua. Very excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Escalating inflation is impacting reserve managers with high holdings of US Treasuries. IMF figures put around 60% of global reserves as held in securities in US dollars, with foreigners holding around 7.7 trillion of US Treasury debt. While the biggest holders are Japan and China, central banks in the Americas tend to have high percentages of their reserves denominated in the greenback. Quantitative tightening, the monetary policy tool currently being deployed by the Fed, means that reserve managers face their current holdings of US Treasuries depleting in value. This is because injecting liquidity in the market during quantitative easing has the effect of reducing yields and increasing their value, as they are seen as a less risky asset. Now, the opposite is in play. Yields increasing and the value of US Treasuries falling has the effect of depleting foreign reserves. A key question for reserve managers, with the role of central banks changing in this high inflation environment, is how to preserve the value of their assets. Diana, how would you say the role of central banks has changed in the last two years? Joshua, it's interesting that you ask that because it is something that we're grappling with and talking a lot about internally. That idea that we're in the middle of an investment regime change where inflation is structurally higher and more volatile, and where there is all of a sudden a cost to central bank intervention. The macro environment that has underpinned markets over the past 25 years is changing, and the implications for how we think about asset prices and markets are profound. Now, underpinning this change is our belief that going forward, inflation is likely to be not only higher, but also much more volatile. Now, some, admittedly not all, but some of the drivers of the low and stable environment we've experienced over the last two decades are changing. The biggest one perhaps is a shift to less globalization and more regionalization, but also a new set of political objectives that require more fiscal policy. And here I'm thinking of things like more focus on military spending in Europe and decarbonization. Now this consistently higher spending will generate more persistent inflation. We think that the upcoming macro environment will be in a way more reminiscent of the environment before 1995 rather than after. And what I mean by that is environments where GDP and inflation are more volatile and cycles more frequent. Now, of course, we've seen volatility over the past two decades, perhaps most notably, you know, the great financial crisis in 2008, 2009, but those transitions were short-lived because we had the central banks as a backstop. They could step in, inject liquidity, and the cycle reverts quickly back to growth and low inflation. Now, to go back to your original question, what's changed is that in an environment where inflation is higher, now there is a cost to central bank intervention. And that cost is that they risk ingraining even higher inflation expectations into the system. And as a result, central banks can no longer be that stable, reliable backstop we've become so used to. In that environment, policy becomes more variable 
and the chances of central banks over tightening into downturns or over stimulating into upturns are higher. Central banks have the risk of becoming a source of volatility rather than mitigating it, and in that environment, the macro stability changes. The cycle no longer spends most of this time in this high growth, low inflation state, but it rather oscillates through cycles much more frequently. What does this mean for asset allocation? Well, with greater cyclicality, I think the main point is that you need greater flexibility. And that means that the answer will change at different stages of the cycle. You know, internally at Wellington, some of the considerations that we are keeping in mind are first and foremost, a higher and more volatile discount rate. Second, an expectation of more dispersion, more differences between countries. And third, just a higher value placed on liquidity. Now, to go back to those three points, the first was that expectation for a higher and more volatile discount rate. And that's important because it changes asset price valuations. It causes the cost of capital to stay high. Now, the implication for that is steeper yield curves, wider credit spreads, and lower valuations on stocks. Liquidity will no longer float all boats and deglobalization will structurally raise that cost base, so it will create more clear winners and losers. Now, the second thing I mentioned was that we expect more dispersion, more differences between countries. Different countries will lean on fiscal policy on spending to various degrees. Now, these are largely political choices and different countries will answer that differently, but what matters here is that the reality on the ground and differences in countries, country nuances will matter a lot more than they have over the past two decades. And then finally, we think there will be a greater value placed on liquidity. A market characterized by less liquidity and more volatility means a more complex and fluid environment. The implication is that there will be increasing value in being nimble and liquid and that holding periods will be shorter. Bringing the Fed into focus, what is the impact of rate hikes on reserve management strategies in those countries with strong trade links to the US in emerging market economies and those with their currencies pegged to the dollar? You know, first caught in the crosshairs of the COVID-19 crisis, then roiled by the Russia-Ukraine conflict, and then the onset of global monetary tightening. I think it's fair to say that emerging markets have experienced their fair share of challenges and volatility over the past few years. Now, from what I'm sitting as a fixed income investor, we've experienced a once in a career market correction. Just to give one example, the Bloomberg Global Ag Index is down almost 20% this year. With government yields rising across the board, credit spreads widening and stocks down, there's really been no place to hide. But looking forward, you know, and given the moves we've already seen and given where we are in an environment where the Fed is trying to crush inflation, even at the expense of below trend growth, I think short duration U.S. Treasuries offer good value. You know, they're trading at just over a 4% yield so and should provide portfolio diversification of the economy's lows, particularly given the longer term structural impediments to growth. I would also urge you know, other fixed income practitioners to consider diversifying their fixed income exposure. Given the uncertainty and volatility, committing too much capital to U.S. fixed income may be risky, and diversifying across global bond markets and currencies 
especially with the flexibility to tweak portfolio duration, may be a better strategy. High quality corporate bonds also look relatively attractive as of today, as do short term bond yields. Now, you asked about countries that have currencies pegged to the US dollar. And for those countries, there is always a risk of importing Fed policies that may not be in alignment with their domestic economic cycle. Most countries will are likely to keep following the Fed's tightening as they are willing to pay the price to avail the benefits of the peg's stability. For small, open, trade-linked economies, this arrangement makes sense, especially as it helps shield them from global currency turmoil. In terms of trade links to the U.S., expectations of a U.S. consumer slowdown keep building. However, the consumption leads we think are still resilient for now, as the historic cost of living squeeze has impacted Europe and the U.K. more than the U.S. A resilient U.S. consumer will suit the trade and economic interests of U.S.-linked EM economies and help them replenish FX reserves while reinforcing their currencies peg. In the event of continued market volatility and financial outflows driven by a global slowdown, domestic asset prices may have to adjust as the value of the currency can't change. However, in this scenario, the moderating growth outlook could help release some pressure as the Fed's tightening is likely to slow. How do inflation expectations affect these strategies? I think it's important to remember that the Fed is in uncharted territory. I mean, there is a huge gap between current inflation at just over 8% at the last print and the Fed's stated 2% target. Moreover, it's not just the inflation and the rate hikes, but also quantitative tightening that is happening at the same time. So the confluence of these is untested. Now, while the Fed is hoping that its rate hikes will bring down inflation with only, and I'm quoting the Fed here, some pain to households and businesses, a deeper recession is a possibility. On the other hand, if the Fed pulls back too quickly and the market doesn't believe that inflation is under control, then the Fed's credibility is at risk. And in that scenario, inflation expectations become de-anchored, pushing the U.S. Treasury yield higher still. So in this environment, I think remaining short duration and importantly remaining nimble should go a long way towards mitigating these risks. I mentioned this before, but diversifying away from just the U.S., would also allow for increased diversification and lower risks. Not all countries around the world are facing the same outlook or the same inflationary pressure. And as I've also mentioned earlier, we think that there will be increased differentiation between countries based not only on their fiscal trajectories, but also their ability to credibly restore price stability. Active management of global fixed income assets will be beneficial as inflation and risk premia are likely to be higher in markets where there is little or no appetite to sacrifice growth to rein in inflation. Thank you so much, Diana, and thank you for listening. We hope you found this interesting, and thanks again.